continue to optimize. Even if your metrics are good, try to be better. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and hands-on learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Jeremias, welcome back to the second episode of the Swisspreneur Show. Thank you Thanks. for being here again. Today, we're going to talk about launching fast growth in a Swiss startup. And I would like to start with the common mistakes that you see or that you've made yourself when growing the company. So for us, I think um, being able to understand how to scale from a sales uh, point of view um, was quite crucial for our success. So in we made... I think the biggest mistake we made, we just tried to use the same sales approach as the incumbents did. So basically, we were selling business software or ERP software, and we were looking at how is the market doing it. We had like another way of building the thing. It was from day one in the cloud and everything, but... We tried, and this was a huge mistake, like to to use traditional sales sales tactics um, to 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 win clients. Um, we were just like not really thinking about it. That uh, innovation, we, we thought, okay, all innovation is in the product, but really rethink also the way you bring the product to your client um, has to change. And the technology also enables a completely other way um, to sell your product and was something we had to learn the hard way. So um, we launched our product and in the beginning, um, we also felt like the market was also expecting the traditional um, sales approach. So they called us and said, okay, could we have a presentation? And we said, of course. And we hired a field sales. Um, the first thing the guy needed was a nice BMW. And um, he promised us like big numbers and everything. And then he started to have meetings. Now it's so that there's, uh, even the best um, field sales is doing not more than five or six meetings a day. And so it wasn't, and, and then he, he closed maybe one deal a week. And we were like, okay, we are selling this product for, let's say, 50 Swiss francs a month. And the unit economics were not working uh, at all. So we had um, to fire uh, our, our field sales. Um, we tried, like, then, then, like, also the business software industry or the, like, they, they, they tried to sell us um, st stuff like, Public reportage, public reportage in newspapers, and says, "I don't know this new. Everyone who is interested in business software will read this news, but nothing happened." Um, so you also tested funny. that out. Yes, everything. But we, all, I always was like writing down the numbers mm -hmm. to really um, have an understanding of the unit economics, even if they were like horrible. Then, of course, we had no money left um, because we spent all the money for BMWs and uh, being in newspapers. <laughs> and then we had like uh, 
a 500 Swiss francs voucher from Google. And we started with AdWords. And this was like quite simple because we were able to put as much money as we were able to and um, to then really observe what happened. So we were, no, okay, with 500 Swiss francs, this brings so much traffic to our website, so many convert to a, to a lead or a free trial, then we can just um, convert two of them to paying customers. So I said, okay, for 500 um, ad spend, we get this number of customers. Okay, one customer costs us X, Y, Z. Okay, this funnel, we can scale. Um, let's just look for another 2,000 Swiss francs to invest there. And look what happens. And then maybe you can also um, change your keyword uh, or your targeting um, uh, and, and, and observe what's happening. And, and happen. Then... Um, Let's have another funnel um, cold calling. I uh, then I went on the internet. I just printed out the gelbe Seiten, the yellow pages, and um, I started calling them. And of course, my my pitch wasn't that good um, because I was like talking about internet-based business software, and the most of them were like, "Are you crazy?" Um, <laughs> but I was able to have data. So I know, okay, if I have to do 50 cold calls to have one free trial and I need 10 free trials for one uh, paid subscription. This was like a, an, another funnel. But I think this was quite uh, important to really have this deep understanding of the unit economics. And um, so we tried a lot of stuff um, and we're always like tracking the numbers, tracking the numbers and to be really, really data driven. And today it's still, it's still, uh, our, I would say 80% of our new customers, it's still in, it's, it's still using the same basic techniques. Of course, with a much more sophisticated, um, tool set and, 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 and analysts supporting marketing tips. So it's, it's not the same, but the essentials of having a very performance-driven, data-based marketing and sales approach, still the same. Absolutely. Where did you actually do these tracking, these numbers, when you started out yourself? An Excel spreadsheet um, was like my, my tool of choice. Uh, but of course, you, we used Google Analytics. And, but um, to track cold calling was just... Uh, pen and the paper sure and then you <laughs> transferred that to your excel sheet where you had everything yes, in one place yes. and then i assumed like okay one hour of work is worth that much and i can do this amount of calls uh, an hour and so i built the funnel how often did you launch these experiments did you have like a certain time frame where you said okay now we try a new funnel we test it for this time period and then we review about the hypothesis that you had in mind before, whether they were actually uh, verified or falsified. I think it was less about the time frame. It was more about having significant numbers. Okay. So um, to come back to the early days example, I knew making 10 cold calls isn't a good sample size. So I need to do at least 300 cold calls to really be able to understand this funnel. And today is the same. Of course, today we are, we, we have other numbers. So we, we, we have 
I think up to 200,000 visitors a, a, a month on our website. This is quite uh, some traffic. And we are able to validate something much, much easier or faster because we have, we, we just have other numbers. But in the beginning, um, we were really always asking us, is this result already significant enough to take a decision or do we have to have a bigger sample? Yeah. How do you like, get the feeling whether it was actually significant or not? Um, just in terms of the, the actual amount with the cold calls, for example, 300 is better than just 10. Or was there any other threshold um, that you were looking at? No, it was really just about doing statistics in a way um, it, it, it works. So um, it was, and of course, it's not that, in, because then you, you start, if you see something is working, you start like improving it. And then you 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 add something and you the test continues, so it's not just uh, about running a test. You then maybe uh, after a, a first period you, you already have some first learning. You adapt, you test again. So I think it's a continuous approach, and um, we weren't that scientific about sample sizes. Um, it was just clear to us in the beginning that we really need to go to a certain level before we can say something is a, is failing. Right. Yeah. But so, so some tests, they just failed from the beginning, and then it was also clear. Do you have an example for that? Yeah, so A-B tests. Um, we, sometimes I'd, oh, I say, oh, this is like the killer idea. <laughs> and um, we were like, okay, let's change that. And it, the needle didn't move in, 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 in no direction. Then we were like disappointed and asked us, okay, why? Um, but I, I know I can't recall just a specific uh, thing, no. Sure. And in moving the needle, what were you actually looking for? Where did you actually want to move the needle, except for, of course, revenue and paid clients in the end? Were there any other areas that you were looking for to really move the needle and change it? So for, from a sales perspective, um, it was always about also sales efficiency. Um to have like um, reasonable customer acquisition costs. And I think the main driver um, are conversion rates um, through your funnel. So if you convert a lot of leads out of your website traffic, um, you're more efficient. If these lead, leads have a high quality, um, you will have a higher conversion rate to paying customers. Um, and of course, and this is also that the beauty um, in software as a service, you need to keep the clients. So it's not just about closing the deal, you need to keep them. And therefore, you also need to understand, are they engaging with your product? Are they happy using it? Um, what are they missing? Are they maybe thinking about cancelling? So when is renewal coming? So this 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 type of stuff um, is also very important. So the, the the funnel isn't like finished when the deal is closed. The funnel always restarts because the, the clients um, they you need to keep them. And um, yeah, what activities have you done in that regard for the customer success? Um, we have a customer success team. Mm -hmm. um, 
they help really the clients to engage, um, especially as we were moving into the mass market. So in, in the beginning, we had um, like the, the early adopters, um, I think the most used browser um, for, for using Bexio was Safari, so the Mac community, the cool guys in the beginning. And um, they didn't need so much support. They were able um, to start by themselves and they were also, they wanted to do it. There was like this, um, this kind of customers who likes to set up new technical solutions and to be like, uh, yeah, part of the avant-garde using, using, using cloud tools. But then when we started to really have more traction to mass market, the, the, the customers is, yeah, it's nice, but um, could you please just set up? I send you the Excel sheet with all my contacts, but please, I pay for it, do it for me. Right. So we also launched a service offering um, with so-called implementation services where we really um, help the people to set up their account. As you um, already said, like certain stuff is complex um, and we help the customers with this stuff. So I think this is very, this is this is thing where we see, um, things where we see it has a huge impact on how customers engage. And we clearly see that engaged customers um, they stay on board. Um, of course, in, in the meantime, we have like also algorithmic analysis of, 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 of certain patterns to understand um, which customer could churn and which not. But in the end, if someone isn't using your product, he will cancel it. Of course, <laughs> of course. Um, and so... Make sure they use your product. Make sure they're happy using it, and they really receive the value and worth, worth the money. I think that's the basic. And um, so this is all also why um, to come back to the numbers for us and the, the customer acquisition um, cost I mentioned before is like one part. The other part is then of course the customer lifetime value. So um, how long does the customer stay on board? Is the customer um, like also maybe upgrading? Um, sure. Can you grow by expanding on an existing base or can you only grow by adding new customers? I think a healthy software service company has to do both. So you need to grow from, from your base, but also from new clients. And, uh, and is there anything that you did to really increase the usage of your existing customers? You know, that they use your tool more often, more frequent, and therefore also reduce the, the chance of churning away? I think we are like, so we really started with the thing small businesses need every day, like having a proper history um, on your clients, having all your client data um, from quote to, yeah, from quote to cash to have the real product, because this is what really matters to the entrepreneur. It's not accounting. So accounting is boring and accounting is not running the business. Accounting is just like describing the business. But to run the business, you need to acquire clients, you need to invoice, uh, you need to create quotes, you need to keep track of your, your, your stock, you need to this, this kind. And this is also what it's more fun. So I, as an entrepreneur, I always liked to write invoices. Creating course, an invoice yeah. is fun. <laughs> 
Um, but of course, you do not want to to, to lose time um, doing it. But so we we really started with this part in our product, mm -hmm. the thing we as entrepreneurs felt we would love to do this every day. And um, also to have this feeling of logging in and say, ah, oh, okay, this invoice has been paid. And um, there is, banking is a very important um, module where you just can reconcile your bank account within minutes. And this gives you a feeling of control as an entrepreneur. It's not accounting. So this is also why accounting was, was not part of our core offering in the business in the beginning. And um, we clearly see people engaging, um, using these kind of module, uh, modules I just mentioned. Um, they stay on board. What you also want to have as a software business is ideally a negative churn so that you win more clients from your existing client base than you actually lose. Is there anything of that sort that you do to encourage like referrals, for example, that really puts you in that spot where you win more clients than you lose from your existing customer base? Yes, of course, we have like incentives for, for referrals. Um, we, in general, can, I, I think that the most important thing to, to generate referrals is just to do a good job, to have a good product, to have good customer service. And um, we're pretty good in that. Of course, sometimes we also fail, um, but... This is crucial to really be there for your customers, provide a great solution, and they will recommend you. Um, negative churn more on the revenue side. Of course, you can uh, do a lot to like increase the customer value by adding other products, by um, adding more seats, or to, to switch them to um, higher value plans. This is also like a, a possibility. And how do you do that? Do you just call the people when you see any certain movements or what's the process there? We really um, try to contact the customer uh, when it makes sense. Um, but yes, it, it's a mix like email, in-app messages, uh, email flows, content, but also calls. Now, let's also look at the hypothesis that you set up at the beginning when you actually test a new funnel or a new channel. Um, do, can you give us like any example what makes a good hypothesis that you actually want to test? Then you run the test and then you can make a decision whether you should continue with that channel, with that funnel or not. So I think the most important thing is to define success and failure. Because you can run an experiment, but if you do not know... If it's a failure or not, you will run it forever or too long. And um, you need to also be good in failing. And it's, and it's, not, it's not like the best, the best thing we, we can do in Switzerland. So um, to have this culture of failing fast is important. So for me, it's better to fail fast than to fail slowly. Because failing slowly is just costs too much money. Um, but we are, this is like a permanent challenge because no one wants to fail. No one. Um, but I think this is like the most important thing about um, being test driven is to be very, very clear on success and failure. And is there one good example where you say, okay, this is a successful outcome out of this test, out of this funnel? And this is a not successful outcome. Um, 
do you have like any example that you could give us so people can actually imagine something, how that looks like in practice? Yeah, so if you have like a 10% uptick on your conversion rate mm -hmm. and you were aiming to improve a conversion rate within certain tests, that's good. Um, if you are trying to drive engagement with the module um, and you run a campaign to do that and you see how the, how the group you addressed is engaging, that's good. If overall engagement of the module is going up from some way, but you just communicate to one group, probably I would not call the test a success, but there are maybe other reasons why engagement um, is, is going up. Mm -hmm. uh, so you really need to be clear of like, what am I doing and how it's, 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 it's related to the results. You also need to be clear about your lifetime value and customer acquisition costs. Yes. Probably one of the most important or the two most important metrics in the whole game. Yes, they are holy. Uh, uh, holy the holy the, grail, the, basically. The holy metrics, yeah. <laughs> how do you actually, you know, how do you measure them uh, in, in practice? Because it sounds easy in theory, but sometimes in practice it can be a bit more difficult to really allocate the real cost and so on. So how do you measure them in, in, in real life, in practice, when you run these tests? Um, so for us, um, like, they are like more optimistic ways and more pessimistic ways um, to look at these metrics and also to measure. Um, we always try to have like a, like a, fair, a fair view on it, and, um, but also to be comparable with the market. Um, so we are like including all the efforts in our customer acquisition costs, not only marketing spend, but also the sales guys, the, the rent of the, of the office space they need is really, it's, it's fully loaded. And, um, on the customer, um, lifetime value is, um, calculated with the, the churn rate. So you know, um, yeah. How, ma how many clients you use every month, every year. Um, you know the average uh, uh, customer is spending and you should know your gross margin. And um, if you know that, you can calculate um, the, the lifetime value. Of course, you then also need to, 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 to have a look at different cohorts. Um, but actually, this is the, the basics are pretty simple. Uh, but then um, in the details, it can be very difficult, but you also need to decide. So is, is, if you have like a, a big marketing mix, um, is brand, how do you include branding activities in the, in the, in the, in the performance uh, part uh, is, is one example or one discussion. Uh, or how do you... How do you maybe treat stuff like merchandising? Yeah. <laughs> Is merchandising part of your customer acquisition cost? I don't know. Uh, it's just you need to be then clear um, on, on this kind of, of stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, we, we never, we were always, we, the, the, the way we calculate these metrics changed and developed over time they are also we are not only looking at one 
CAC or one customer acquisition costs. So we look at the fully loaded, including all the costs. We look at marketing costs only to see how is the marketing spend efficiency. So it's just a more complex universe of unit economics today um, as the, the, the whole business is more complex. We have different revenue streams, but also different sources of, 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 of leads and new clients. So in the beginning, it was really just an Excel sheet and, and, and myself. And now it's a team of analysts um, doing, doing this kind of stuff. But the basics, the, like the, the underlying logic of a healthy software as a service business remains the same. What's like a good ratio that you should aim for in terms of lifetime value versus customer acquisition costs? I think four is like uh, so between three and three and a half and four and a half. Uh, it also depends on the, the, the growth um, and, and, and the, the, the pace you have and the stage you're as a company um, in. And maybe you can also except for a certain time, um, a, a lower ratio. It, 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 but in, in the industry, I would say four, three and a half or four is, is okay. Um, if it's too high, you are not growing enough. Because then if, if your ratio is too high, you should spend much more in marketing exactly. and sales. Yeah. So you need, really need to keep the, the balance. Um, and if, you, if it's too low, you need to understand why. So um, do you have like more a lifetime issue or are you just wasting money on your on, on marketing? So it's, I think, drilling down this unit economics to really understand where is the issue, where can I, where do I have potential? And this is, this is great. This is really great and helps a lot to, to, to lead your business. And this also shows that it's incredibly important to be a data-driven company from day one on, basically. How do you really you know, get your company to that level? And also, what tools do you use uh, along that process that then go beyond Excel uh, after the initial starting phase? One very important thing is to hire people with the same mindset. Mm -hmm. I think uh, one important hire there was um, my COO. Um, he runs marketing, sales, customer success, uh, partner management, all the customer-facing teams, and this guy is just insane. Uh, he's really—he's now. I, I always thought I'm a freak um, of 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 marketing and sales data, but he just brought it to the uh, completely other level. Um, so his first hire when we when he came in was. An, an analyst and uh, we built a, the, the whole reporting and, and tracking stack and um, you ask for tools we are using um, today to do all that actually I don't know <laughs> yeah we have Tableau and, and uh, I think another one to to show the data what, what, what's underneath mm -hmm. on, under the hood a lot of stuff. <laughs> Makes sense. I mean, yeah, if you're and a data for, the, person, for subscription management, we use Suora. So a lot of reports, um, Suora is quite a standard tool um, come from there. But it's, really, it's more about the culture and the mindset than about the tools. Because the, 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 the thing we were doing with Excel, and sometimes we are still using Excel today because uh, not, not everything is, is, is automated, but 
I think it's more about the mindset than about the tooling. And to have the people really thinking that way. So um, we were always discussing how can we measure stuff. Um, we once tried ads on buses. Mm-hmm. And um, so we tried to measure the success of ads on buses. And or same with TV. So when f- we started with the very, with performance marketing like um, SEA um, or SEO and that's, everything is trackable. It's kind of easy. But the, when you then add like tr- more traditional uh, marketing um, measures to your mix, like events, like um, traditional ads, TV ads, um, it's more complex. So we also had to figure out how can we measure this kind of stuff. One, um, and, and I was talking about the buses. So we um, made a plan to test that. And we were like, we knew this bus has this route. So, and he's driving, I don't know, five times a day from this village to this village. Mm-hmm. And um, we then checked all the zip codes mm-hmm. of this area. And we like then took a sample of free trials in this region without ads on buses. And then we compared it after, uh, I think, after one month mm-hmm. um, ad- with ads on buses and, and to just see if there's a change. Um, in this very, very tiny little region, and um, unfortunately, no change. Uh, but um, we had, a, and as I said, we had defined in the beginning um, how is success defined, how are we measuring success, and, and with that also, how are we measuring failure? Mm-hmm. And um, this, I think this is a good example also for a test we, we did recently. I think, yeah, this is a very good illustration of the mindset so I wonder, is this mindset, this data-driven and performance-driven mindset, something that you just have or not have? Or can you actually train people to get you to can, that level? Yeah, of course, um, you can train people. And it's, it's really also a little bit, it's, it's also about the culture you have in the company. So mm-hmm. you could, or we could now debate if it's a good idea to put ads on buses and maybe using, yeah, maybe, you know, if they, everyone is stuck in traffic, everyone can read the bus. Um, and I maybe feel, yeah, no, I don't think it's a good idea because how, how do they sign up um, while driving a car? Then right. you say, you know, they are stuck in traffic. They are always typing on their phone. And we couldn't invest the time there. And, and, and we, it's just guessing. Or we could have the conversation, okay, how are we measuring success? Yeah. And I think this is like the, the, the important thing to be aware and to change. And when, when, when the direction is more about personal opinions, so say, oh, no, it's not the opinion. My opinion doesn't matter. Your opinion doesn't matter. But we need to be aligned on how to measure it. So I think a, an organization can, can train that and learn that. I think that's a really great example that really shows the importance of having that mindset. Yes. Because if you then just make decisions based on personal assumptions and uh, personal feelings, basically, you will probably not build a repeatable and successful sales and marketing process. Absolutely. 
Wow. So that's a really great takeaway. Um, one thing that you also mentioned to me in the prep call was that you only lo- started to look for investors after you actually successfully proved certain acquisition funnels and were actually able to say, hey, guys, uh, we figured this out. If we put this amount of money in and that's what we ask for, uh, we get that amount of customers out. So this data-driven and, and really this marketing approach that you've uh, had there was also an important part for fundraising. Yes, yes. Uh, of course, we had the privilege that we were generating cash flow with our first business to be able to do the initial investments, um, to build a product, to also be able to spend some money on marketing to uh, to gather this data. Um, but yes, in the end, it was like a huge advantage to really be able to tell the investors, guys, look, this is the data we have. If we model the funnel with the his, with our history, with our track record, um, there's a very very high probability that we will win this this amount of clients, bringing us this revenue if you give us that amount of money, and um, it worked out. I think that's also a way stronger position to approach investors if, if you have these numbers and have the story there that you can align for the yes. investment process. Especially in our case, because the, for investors, what it it's not very sexy what we <laughs> were like pitching to them um, because they look, but business software, there are dozens of other business software. Is this really a problem? And so if on the first, if, if you really know the market, dig a little bit deeper, of course, it makes sense. But in the very early days, um, investors were really, okay, does this really make sense? And um, to combine like the message, okay, no, we are really bringing value to customers. But hey, look at at, at our sales metrics. Um, I think the combination was, was appealing to Absolutely. investors. Yeah, you also take a lot of uncertainty away from the investors because you show them, Absolutely. hey, at least in small, it works out. And that's a, a way stronger sign than saying, hey, I hope this will eventually work out in the future. That's why I need your money. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 So once you then get investor money, you usually also start investing more money in the channels that you know worked out well. Yeah. I can imagine that if you do so, and maybe also due to competition to a certain degree, that then prices also increase for certain funnels and channels. What do you then? Do you constantly also adapt and change them? Or how does that look like? Um, so you n- really need to be able to optimize constantly. Mm-hmm. So a funnel, even if it's the best performing funnel you have, it's never done optimizing it, never. And this is also part, I think, of the mindset. You can always tweak it and tune it a, a little bit. And um, so this is the only thing to, to be ahead continue to optimize even if your metrics are good try to be better and um, because of course prices for ads will go up mm-hmm. and um, if competition rises the prices the customers pay will go down oh yeah that's a bad trend for, on exactly. both ends, and, right? and, 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 but this is happening in every industry so once a product is commodity like prices will will go down um then 
the battle be the battle be becomes more intense be, be and, and in the market and 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 ad prices go up that's a normal trend so you need to really be able to deal with that and yeah and if you don't know your numbers and don't pull the plug at the channels that are costing you more than they actually bring in you're going to be out of business exactly exactly so in the end um you need uh, you need healthy metrics of course you you can also take a decision for a certain time to just okay now we will outspend the customer uh, the competition for a certain time and be very 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 aggressive um but in the end we talk so much about this uh, this ltv cac ratio this thing has to work that's it and when is actually the time to to pull the plug of a of a certain channel that that you see it's not working anymore what's a sign for that that you need to get completely off of a certain channel so in our case it was really uh, or it is really when we see okay um the quality of the customers um isn't isn't that good mm-hmm. so we see okay it's just somehow um someone um, is able to sell this product but it's not bringing value and we see churn rates going up for for a certain cohort i think then um w- then it's time to to correct makes sense so now we talked about a lot we talked about the mindset the data driven and the performance driven mindset uh we talked about how to test the channels and how to also get rid rid of the channels and the customer acquisition lifetime value ratio is there anything else in that regard that you would like to add to today's conversation no i think that's uh, a lot of stuff absolutely <laughs> a lot of stuff to digest yes <laughs> But I think it really shows, you know, the importance is the mindset that where everything starts uh, to get that right. Yes. So I really think the foundation is the, the mindset, the culture and um, the way you look at, at uh, your sales approach and also to really be willing to sell. I, I see a lot of startups, they are never really happy um with their products and no 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 we need Classy, this, yeah. we need this feature before we it's not it's embarrassing selling this product and um i think we were lucky to have like this mix in the founder team mm-hmm. stefan the product guy was also no 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 stop 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 marcel was building the stuff and i was just selling it and uh, i think the combination um, was good so maybe to add something i think if you are not embarrassed um, with the first version of your product, selling it, you're too late. And um, yes, I I think this was probably also one one, um, key part for our success that we always try to learn how to bring the product to the customer. Absolutely. Perfect. So what we have prepared for you for the end of this session are some rapid fire questions. Oh yeah. I give you a selection or just a short question and you can answer it in one or two sentences. Are you ready? No. <laughs> Go <laughs> we <ahead>. start anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Zurich or Rapperswil? Rapperswil. Why? I like the the close by mountains. Good point. Wealth or happiness? Happiness. What makes you smile? Other people smile. Exit or profitable company? I like both. Yes. Fair point. And where do you go to think? On my bike or underwater. Awesome. Cool. 
Jeremias, thank you so much for these valuable insights. I think uh, many people will be hopefully inspired and take something away that they can apply to their businesses. We wish you all the best, lots of success with everything you do. And thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. Stay connected with the Swisspreneur community through our LinkedIn and Instagram profiles. Make sure to subscribe to our show on whatever podcast platform you're using. See you next week for a brand new episode of The Swisspreneur Show.